Okay, are you ready? Nope, you have a weird demon voice going. A weird demon voice? Really? Weird demon voice. <laughs> it's not there now, but it was. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything. World of Warcraft, uh, Yeti Mike type does all those uh, voices. I never, I never heard of that. The yeah, World of Warcraft uh, a Mike. Yeti, a blue Yeti Mike uh, that was World of Warcraft, and it would do all the voices well, uh, from the game. You know that the original, the, yeah, the original Xbox, the original Xbox, you know, uh, Live actually had a masking feature. Yeah, the uh, PlayStation, I think, chat, you could speed up your voice and slow down your voice. I don't know why people like that so much. Yeah, well, it was for it was to... <laughs> It was for people who didn't want to play with children, so the children could sound like adults. I shit you, you not. Like adults, I guess. I shit you not. They knew. Anyways, let's go ahead. Uh. I still say it sounds like uh, the slowed down boy talk from Home Alone 2 when he uses it to uh, fool the hotel staff into uh-huh. thinking it's his dad. Okay. It's Peter McAllister, the father. <laughs> you know, I should do it like Peter McAllister now. <laughs> It's like, oh, Kevin McAllister, my bad. The PGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 650, recorded on May 17th, 2022. Uh, (laughs) Brought to you by Peter McAllister. (laughs) The PGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 650, recorded on May 17th, 2022. Six hundred and fiftieth edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and four hundred and eighty third episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The BGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry and the gaming flashback. You'll notice that Scott finally sounds normal again. Yes, uh, I think my voice is recovered. I, I was sick a while ago and uh, my throat hurt and it was hard to talk and. So I had to whisper, and I guess that made me sound very. So that made you sound like a robot. It made you sound like you were, you were one of the people whose brains were invaded. It's like, hello, my name is Scott Dirk. I yeah, am my, here. My voice was was, was it was it was hard to talk. It so was neutral. I, I tried not to too much. It was neutral. It was like you were one of the neutral aliens from Futurama. If I die, tell my wife hello. <laughs> That's Anyways, um, so uh, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. I've been playing uh, what Scott has been playing, at least a little bit. I mean, um, Aiden Chronicle Rising is on Game Pass, but I haven't had a chance to play it as much. I'm pretty sure that uh, Scott has gotten deeper into that game. Yes, I've gotten pretty deep into it, about 19 hours or so. Uh, I'm into the third dungeon, I guess. It's a... It, uh, it's a good game. I'm enjoying it. Uh, you play as three main characters, and you have these link attacks during combat. Yeah, the combat surprised me. I wasn't expecting um, plat- uh, 2D platform combat. Yeah, so some people were surprised at that, but I think it 
works. The Natsumi Atari did a good job. And you, you also get story, a lot of banter with the characters. And you basically you arrive in town and you have to fill out this uh, card to get your license, explorer license. And there's a lot of uh, running jokes throughout the game. Um, and you do some puzzles. And then, you know, of course, the, it, it, it has a nice ramp in difficulty. It starts off very easy and it starts getting harder as you get along in the game and it starts unlocking things. Some people have felt that's a little bit like Metro Metroidvania and that some areas are locked off and you have to come back when you have the right ability to get past a certain area, uh, you know, like double jumping or having certain elements so you can break uh, uh, elemental pillars. Uh, there's crafting. There's also town building. You build up your, as you do quests, you build up the various buildings to upgrade them. So it's a nice, you know, feeling of progress seeing the town uh, get better as you go along. Yeah, I mean, the one negative thing that m- most people talk, say about the game is that it's a lot of fetch quests in the game. A lot of fetch quests. There's some fetch quests, and then there's just talking to people. Yeah. Uh, I guess not too many, like, go kill an enemy. It's mostly stuff like yeah. trapping or collecting something or delivering something or just relaying conversation between people i will say uh, go ahead yeah i will say this though um one of the good things about it being crowdfunded is you know how much it costs to buy the game just 15 dollars. it's it's a very inexpensive game so if you have any interest in this kind of game you should pick it up because it's um it's crowdfunded game which means they could afford to sell it for less you know um and uh, we should talk about the graphics. It's a beautiful game, as we all know yeah. from the screenshots. It's very lush. They uh, shared assets between the main game being made and this one. I think a lot of the backgrounds were provided, probably some of the uh, character art, so that way they would have you know match what's uh, going to be in the main game. Um, and of course, the main game is going to be turn-based versus the action RPG that we have in Rising. Uh, it's just kind of a nice taste of what you know it's a prelude to what happens in the main game so it's a nice taste to get an idea of the world that they're building i think the best thing you could say about it is that it's a ps2 game in all the right ways certainly it, it feels and look and it acts like a two, uh, ps2 game right down to the fact that no, nobody's voiced everything is that jibber jabber um you know text um and it, it just feels like you're playing a ps2 game with really nice graphics <laughs> Yeah, it definitely has good graphics and nice music. The town music evolves over yeah. uh, through throughout the game. It you know, it's not an entirely long game. I hear from people that it's no more than like 17, 18 hours if you 100% it. So it's well, not – go ahead. I, I guess it depends. Uh, for me, I have, haven't finished it, and I'm at like 19 hours. So no. I don't know. But, yeah, it, I think it is supposed to be a short game. Uh, relatively short. Relatively short. Yeah, to the main one. Uh, but it's still enjoyable. I mean, a game shouldn't be judged on its length. It should be judged on its content and what it, what it's trying to do. Because there could be some really short but really poignant games out there. Well, I mean, this is the sort of game that screams out it's probably going to have DLC at some point. But, like I said, it's a 15 buck game. If you have any interest in it, if you go to the Steam page or, or the Microsoft page or whatever, 
And you say, hey, that looks pretty good. You know, you might as well try it. Of course, if you have Game Pass, then yeah, try it because <laughs> it's on Game Pass on both Xbox and PC. Um, by the way, I downloaded on PC, but I was playing it on cloud. It, it, it works surprisingly well just playing it on cloud. That's good. Yeah. And I believe it works on the Steam Deck as well. There have been some people who have the Steam Deck and have been playing the game. I'm oh, pretty sure it works on the Steam Deck. Fine. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, uh, this game, you know, it's like, um, it's nice to be able to put it in my Ryzen controller and on my Android and just, you know, play in bed. It's a play in bed game for me. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what have you been playing, TJ? Um, this last week I dove into Cities VR. Oh, uh, okay. I'm a big fan of the the original City Skylines. And, uh, the idea of doing that stuff. In a, in a VR setting sounded yeah. really appealing. Here's the thing for me is that um, for a game like Cities VR, I just know the headaches will come fast and furious with that. It's really relaxing, in my opinion. Like the whole thing. <laughs> I like Tetris. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, like <laughs> when I look at that game versus some of the other VR games I've played, it's it's very chill. It's very comfort oriented it's and um i i suppose the issue if i had any issue with it it's that like and this is something that's like not such a bad deal for me but it will be for other people that have been playing cities for a long time it's almost like going back to cities 1.0 and okay. what and what i mean by that is that there's no mods there's there's a a handful of pre-made maps um there are you you can't have more than like in in city skylines it got to the point where you could have massive uh multi square cities you can only do one square in this one for now um and ultimately it, the it, it doesn't have any of the bells or whistles that came along with uh, that eventually came along with cities dlc so well here's the thing wait so Playing this game in VR, what is it? Sort of like um, like a toy box sort of game in which you're just just above it and you're moving things. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you use one you use one hand to like select your the things you want to post you want to you want to place like roads or or buildings or zoning or uh, or any of that or 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 uh, water pipes and. Um, it's got a very it's a little bit weird to control at first because you select stuff with you your right hand basically operates as the toy box in which you pick the thing you want to use or pick the thing you want to look at and then your left well no I had that backwards your left hand operates the toy box in which you look at you access the things you want to place and then your your right hand is used for very specifically for moving the camera around and placing things. Um, it's got, it's got a, you can, you can move between a instant snap, which is like sort of like magnetized grid, grid work uh, style posting where you can sort of grid your roads, put it, put things in a very, uh, in a very rigid structured manner, or you can do it sort of free form. And I like having that option in because like at first I want to do it like sort of like grid like, but eventually I want to get around to like making circle drives and curved roads and all that jazz. Um, 
and it's uh it's got a lot of the sort of incidental issues that you could that you can come across with uh with the original cities i uh i built my water treatment plant on the coast and i oh, God. built and i built my uh my dumping plant also on the coast and i thought i put them far enough apart until about 30 yeah i'm pretty sure yeah your 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 city is like ah, we're we're getting sick for some reason yeah, incidentally, the uh, the the dumping plant water drifted over down the coast to the water treatment plant water, and so I had a whole city just accident. I accidentally had a whole city just drinking poo water, and uh, they got real sick real fast. And they all died. Yeah. Dying. And me, <laughs> uh, uh, demand for medical went up, skyrocketed, and just killed my budget. In the course of five minutes, but I love that shit. I, I think it's funny to to like learn how to play the game from mistakes like that. Um, and it wasn't like I lost a lot of progress. You can you can uh, you can save the game wherever you feel like saving. You can go back and uh, you can fiddle with things as you go. And it's just kind of a relaxing sit down. Um, one of the few issues, one of the few other issues I have with it is that I like to play cities games for hours on end, and this is more of an issue with the Quest Two itself because that's the only thing Cities VR is on right now. It just doesn't have the battery life for a uh, for a good Cities session. Well, yeah, I mean, well, Cities is just you know it's a it's a city building game. You usually have to spend like eight hours doing something with it. Yeah. And to that, I like I enjoy the process of sitting down with a fully charged headset and spending an hour or two uh, fiddling with cities. But like, it's it doesn't it feels like a bre- it feels like time just flies by, and then I'm at that point where my headset goes, "Oh, you're running out of battery. Time to time to plug in." Yeah. Um, but if you haven't played cities before, or if you just want some uh, new way of playing. I think Cities VR is still really fun. I think it still captures the main experience. It's really relaxing. It's a it's a good city management sim. And uh, you know, I remember old SimCity games like SimCopter and Streets of SimCity in which you could go down into the city. I wish you could do that in VR with one of these city games like with Cities VR in which you just go to ground level and just walk around in VR. Yeah, and uh, you can actually like. I I have actually done this for a, for a couple videos that we're going to be posting on our site where I uh, once I built a good portion of my city, you can you can like toggle on the right stick to move from a sky like a high sky area down to a controllable like low view of everything. And I'm talking about you can go from like maybe 50 feet up to down literally on the street level and move through the oh, that's move nice. through the streets of your city. And so like I went from one side of my city, like on the industrial side, over to the residential side, just exploring and watching my my citizens go about their daily lives. And it was really, really like it was really enjoyable. It was really relaxing, and it was really cool to see like everything that I had created in real time at such a at such a microscopic level <laughs> microscopic sim <laughs> amoeba <laughs> yeah right, right. i mean like 
essentially when you're up in that skybox they're they are like ants you can't you can't really see them until you get close but you but it does give you the option to get close enough to see everything they're doing and i really enjoy that i may have to check it out i haven't been really using my uh oculus quest oh i'm sorry my meta quest (laughs) in a while and um Fun fact, I actually got to talk with one of the uh, lead designers behind the game, which she was a she was a de- she was a developer that was there at uh, Paradox Interactive when Cities Skylines launched. Yeah. So they are she they've done a good job. She's helping lead things. And uh, this is just the start. This is they're going to expand upon this game like they did with City Skylines. So like I look forward to seeing how they make how they expand this game over time with new updates. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember when was City Skylines launched? I'm trying to remember. I think it was 27? 2015. 2015. 2015. I'll say it, when when City Skylines first came out, it was like it was like a breath fresh of air for everybody. That and SimCity came out and it no, SimCity came out two years before. Yeah, came out ex- yeah. almost exactly two years before, and it stank. It was so bad. They um, did- yeah, they 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 forced it into being an always online game. Yeah, and then uh, they wrecked it with uh, Denuvo and all that jazz, and it was just fucking terrible. Like what they did to that game. They did. They did so bad with that game that they never made another SimCity again. Yeah, because you know people want an offline experience, and you can't make money on an offline experience. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. <laughs> I would like to see a new SimCity, a good SimCity at some point. You know. But the only thing they care about is the Sims right now. So. Yeah. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to uh, Gaming Flashback. Go ahead, DJ. All right. On this week's Gaming Flashback, we have Dear Esther. Dear Esther is a first-person exploration and adventure video game developed by the Chinese Room for Microsoft Windows, Mac OS X, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. First released in 2008 as a free-to-play modification for the Source game engine, The game was entirely redeveloped for a commercial release in 2012. Featuring minimalistic gameplay, the player's only objective in the game is to explore an unnamed island in the Hebrides in... I'm sorry, in the Hebrides, Scotland, listening to a troubled man read a series of letters to his deceased wife. Details of her mysterious death are revealed to the player... are revealed as the player moves through the island. The Chinese room released a spiritual successor to Dear Esther titled Everybody's Gone to the Rapture in 2015. So the thing about Dear Esther is that it was a type of game that we really hadn't seen before, and that is the walking simulator. That Basically the first walking simulator of any note. And I remember people were confused by it. Some people called it Mist Without Any Puzzles. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I, I couldn't interact with anything, which was, was disappointing. But then I guess you just walk around and you hear little quotes uh, yeah. as you're just walking, and it doesn't really feel like it matters where you walk. Uh, the story just kind of unfolds as you walk, and it's just being told to you, and you're not really, you're not, you don't have any agency on it. You just, you're just walking, 
and you just look at stuff. You can't really touch anything. The music is nice, but it's like it, this is like the only game that really felt like a true walking simulator. I know people joked about it with Skyrim and some other games, but this one really is you're literally just walking. You're not doing anything else. You're just walking. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The formula was was um, improved on by a huge lot when they figured out, you know, we can get people engaged. So you have gone home and we have uh, what remains of Edith Finch and all these other games that we consider walking simulators with with almost no story. But the puzzles are basically just what you can look for, you know. I mean, Dear Esther was basically a visual novel. That was a first-person game. But it it is the first of the walking simulator. And not all walking – you know, like I said, Remains of Edith Finch is one of the best games I ever played. And it has almost no gameplay except for exploration. Scott, uh, TJ? I never had a chance to play this one. Um, I'm pretty sure it's two bucks on Steam by now or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure it's real cheap. And it's not really a time-consuming game. Uh, I think it's probably a short one. I, I never really finished it because I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. Just keep walking, I guess. Oh, and also Firewatch. Yeah. It sounds like the kind of game where I could probably just go ahead and look up a walkthrough and get the same experience out of it as playing it. Yeah, but you wouldn't yeah. get Steam achievements. See, that's the issue. <laughs> I don't need or achievement achievements. <laughs> hey, I want achievements. I mean, I'll just get it on Xbox One and walk around and get free achievements. Uh, everyone's Gone to the Rapture was just terrible. <laughs> Aw. It wasn't very good. They, here's the thing. By the time Everyone's Gone to the Rapture had come out, games like Gone Home had come out and showed what the genre could really do, and Everyone's Gone to the Rapture just felt flat and empty and uninteresting. Gone, Gone Home was the one I was thinking of that was actually really good. Yeah, Gone Home, uh, what, are, what Remains of Edith Finch, Firewatch, um, you know, games that are basically just telling stories as you move around, you know. And um, they give you some minimal agency in the story. You're just basically learning everything. I mean, um, and there's games that are like that now, which aren't first person uh, packing. I would consider one of these types of games, except you're not moving around. You're just unpacking. But it still has the same, you know, story through through context. You know, it's basically putting you in a situation in which you're learning the game. You're learning a story without actually, you know, having it told to you. Emergent storytelling. Yeah, and there are plenty of games that I've played where it's it doesn't have much going on as far as mechanics go, but it does have enough going on to keep me invested in wanting to see more. Um, have you played I, Unpacking yet? I have not played Unpacking. Ooh, you should play Unpacking. It's really fun. You should play Tunic if you haven't played it yet. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm Tunic is not a walking simulator. <laughs> no, it's it's not at all. <laughs> it starts out as Zelda and then ends up as Dark Souls. <laughs> Dark Souls right away. No, not really. I mean, here's the thing. Combat in, in in Tunic in the beginning isn't like, you know, it's 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 Zelda difficulty. You know, I'm talking about the original Legend of Zelda. I mean, the very right. first Zelda. I mean, you learn the moves, you know, you learn what they do, and then you, it's just a matter of getting the equipment to deal with it. It's not until late in the game in which you have the equipment, but now it's just really hard to kill things. Oh, my God. 
This is really funny. I went on Steam because I wanted to see what Steam considered walking, uh, like popular walking simulator games. Uh-oh. It has Death Stranding in there. Oh. Well, <laughs> technically, yeah. I don't know if I'd call it because Death once you get once you get the zip line, sim- once you get the zip line, there's no game anymore. <laughs> I mean, you still have to do a lot of setup to get that zip line, though. You have to craft a lot of pea grenades to get to that zip line. <laughs> but still, when you get Journey, the zip line, the game is over. Journey would probably be considered a walking simulator since there's a lot of walking through the desert, but at least you're enjoying the view. <laughs> I don't know if no uh, Journey is in the realm of like games like Flower and Flow. Right. Yep. Not really a walking simulator. Uh, it's not Stan- Stanley Parable is considered a walking simulator. Yeah. Oh, and. Re- I'm pretty sure you heard that the uh, there's a new edition of Stanley Parable that just came out. Mm-hmm. It's got a whole new achievement for not playing the game for long periods of time. Wait, no, there was that was in the original game too. No play for five no, it's years. Got a, it's got a it's got a new one. Oh. there's a new there's a new don't play it for a really long time uh, achievement <laughs> in addition to the other one. Why did they make it so that people couldn't hack it by changing the computer clock? Oh no, it's just another way. It's just another uh, little fun of. Little fun achievement of that. It's I think ten years this time. Wow, that's a long way. That's a long time to spend not playing that game. <laughs> and then also to like keep track of that and make sure you check in when it finally happens. Yeah, I mean, there's some games that I have in my thing that I haven't played for that long anyway. So it's it's not it's not as difficult as it. I just have to forget about the game for a while. Mm-hmm. When did the Stanley Parable came come out? I'd have to find out. Parable. That came out in 2013. Okay, so we can almost talk about it. <laughs> Let me look it up here. It's it's uh, October 2013. Yes, that's when it first came out. So next year we can talk about it. <laughs> next year we can talk about the Stanley Parable. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the quick news. Um, basically, just there's a bunch of bad Game Pass games coming out on May. Um, I mean, her story is pretty old. That we can, I could probably do a thing on that, too. Her story basically brought back the FMV game. Uh, Jurassic World Evolution 2. Now, you played that, didn't you, uh, TJ? Did. Not the second one. I played the first one. Oh, okay. I love the fact that the second one came to uh, Game Pass, though, because... Yeah. The second, the second one has not only uh, new story narratives with... Uh, yes, you can tinker with DNA and make mix-and-match monsters. Yes, that's <laughs> I'm really interested in, because you can make a pterodactyl with a T-Rex head, and it's like, why would you? Why is that a thing? But I want it. Well, I they have to... Play to with that. They had to replicate you being able to make the Indominus Rex somehow. Because mm-hmm. it was a tie-in to Jurassic World, um, the first one, not the second one. I forgot. I forgot. What was the back? It was just Jurassic World, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one was Jurassic World Evolution as well. This is just Jurassic World Evolution 2. No, I mean the movie was Jurassic World. Oh, yes. Correct. Anyways, um, Little Witch in the Woods, uh, which is actually a game preview. It, it looks like a cute game. Um, just basically you're a bunch of witches and you're doing stuff. Uh, Skate is coming to cloud. Now, Skate was never my thing because, you know, it's too technical for me. I prefer Tony Hawk. Yeah. Umarangi um, generate. Oh, what do you want to say about skate? Oh, no, I was going to say that uh, I saw Pac-Man Museum Plus on this list. And I oh, was yeah. Really excited for that. 
Yeah, I mean, the the big controversy about it, which isn't much of a controversy, it doesn't include the really recent Pac-Man games, like, uh, you know, the, I forget, geez, I can't remember. Besides Pac-Man, uh, Pac-256, there's the other one, uh, Pac, uh, Pac-Man, what was it? Oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I forgot it. Pac-Man DX, you know, something like that. Oh, damn. It does have Pac-Man Championship Edition 2, which is probably one of the better modern versions that ever came really? out. Really? I could have sworn it didn't have Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, though. I can't remember if it has DX, but it has a Champion Edition 2. Let's just say there are some Pac-Mans which are not in it. Um, I don't the think Ms. Pac-Man is not in it either. What I about was, uh, was Ms. Pac-Man. And yeah, Ms. Pac-Man is not Bandai in it. Nam- and that's because Bandai Namco actually doesn't have... Uh, control of the rights over Ms. Nope. Pac-Man. That's, uh, that's been a long thing with, with Pac-Man. There's a lot of, there's been a lot, and they can't have Pac-Man Jr. either. Yep. So they're not allowed to use those characters. So actually in a couple games where Ms. Pac-Man would show up, they have, I think they called her Pac-Lady or something. Yeah, something, something where Pac-Woman, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a there's all sorts of history on the crazy rights that go with with Miss Pac-Man, yeah. and that's basically what's keeping that game from being on any Bandai Namco compilations. Yeah. So um, also uh, you have Heart Space uh, Shipbreaker, which is basically um, here's the thing: uh, they didn't own the rights to. Oh God, what was the name of that game again? Oh Jesus, I forgot it. The name of it: the famous uh, 3D space RTS. Homeworld. Homeworld. They didn't help, they didn't only rise to Homeworld. So Hard Space, Hard Space Shipbreaker became a spiritual successor to Homeworld. Then the people who own Homeworld got, got Blackbird and now it is, now it is actually a sequel to Homeworld. It's not Homeworld 3, but it is a Homeworld game. Interesting. I've seen it in my periphery, but I've never actually dug into Shipbreaker. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Homeworld was the first truly 3D RTS. And on, on, on PCs back then, it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I see that they have Farming Simulator 22 on here. Everybody's yeah. – uh, the, uh, the Now with Mulching. The breakout esports game of 2021. <laughs> yeah, the Barbie Simulator now has mulching mm-hmm. and some other stuff. And Sniper Elite 5. Always nice to shoot the testicles off Nazis. Yep. And I don't know, it's not quite as satisfying to shoot the testicles off zombies, but you can do that if you want to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> I love it when, when Yati talks about the game. It says that, uh, you know, shooting him and making sure he loses all his memories about his childhood. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know anything about Vampire uh, Survivors. I've heard things preferably about Floppy Nights. Yeah. I've heard a lot of my colleagues and friends have said that <coughs> basically anyone that's played Vampire Survivor has said it's uh, ridiculous and good. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, a lot of these games are in early access too. So, um, there's one game that's coming out, uh, which is Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song, which I'm interested in since we're not going to be getting in Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines two anytime soon. Um, and the thing is that it's 
the special edition actually comes with uh, Coteries of New York, which is a visual novel, which I've had my eye on for a while. And there's been actually a bunch of those uh, sequels to Coteries of New York. So, yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm a big fan of World of Darkness, so almost by default. And you can thank Vampire the Masquerade for that. Hmm. So, yeah, a, b- a bunch of good, great, great games are coming on in Game Pass. Uh, we will be discussing some of the Xbox Game Pass later in the uh, podcast. But for right now, DJ, take the first game news. Alrighty. EA Sports officially ends FIFA partnership after 30 years of games from Ars Technica. EA Sports announced today that the soccer title it publishes in 2023 would be part of the new EA Sports FC brand, doing away with the FIFA name the series has used since the days of Sega Genesis and Super NES. The announcement marks a significant break for one of the oldest and most popular continuous franchises in video game history. EA's coming FIFA-less soccer game will still have more than 300 individually licensed partners, giving players access to more than 19,000 athletes across 700 teams in 100 stadiums and over 30 leagues around the world. Those partners include major international leagues like Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, uh, UEFA. It's UEFA. No, they they pronounce it UEFA. Okay. Which is the United uh, European Football Association. Conmebol, and more. I think Conmebol is the African League. I'm not quite sure, but I think it is. Or either that or the South uh, South American League. Fair enough. Aside from the name on the cover, the newly branded game will also be missing any official reference to the World Cup, the quadrilineal international tournament run by FIFA. EA partnered with FIFA to release separate branded FIFA World Cup titles every four years from 1998 to 2014 and introduced a separate World Cup mode to its lucrative Ultimate Team digital card game for FIFA 14. That integration expanded into a wider World Cup update in FIFA 18. Reports reports suggest that FIFA 23, which will launch later this year as EA's final game with the FIFA license, will further expand the World Cup mode and include the Women's World Cup for the first time in franchise history. Last year, the New York Times reported that FIFA was asking EA to double the $150 million. (laughs) I'd like to buy the license for $150. Sure. Yeah, they wanted them to double the $150 million uh, ask the publisher was already paying annually for the rights to its brand name. Meanwhile, EA was reportedly beginning to question how much value the FIFA name brought to its popular game franchise. Well, for one thing, if you have the licensing for 300 partners and 30 leagues, yeah, you don't need FIFA. Absolutely not. Right. The big one that they got was, uh, like, right from the get-go was uh, uh, 5Pro. FIFPRO, which is basically a the the player it's it's the players it's so it's right. an international players association. Um, so they still partnered with them, but they won't be partnering with FIFA. And they and EA had been teasing this move since kind of mid to late last year. Yeah, uh, they were saying that the 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 price was astronomical, and between and like. When it's not a World Cup year, obviously when it's a World Cup year, there are a lot, there's a lot more interest in EA FIFA games. When it wasn't a World Cup year, not so much. Uh, FIFA has also been talked about, make it, has announced that it'll be making non-simulation games, 
Which is basically what uh, 2K said about making a football game, uh, American football game, just non-simulation games. But here's the thing. If there's any anyone scummier than EA, it's FIFA. And um, yeah, if you're not going to you're not going to you're not going to pay 300 million, uh, 300 million dollars to FIFA when you already have all the licensing that you need. So, yeah, like another thing that EA brought up was that it wanted to better represent players from leagues around the world including women's leagues and FIFA didn't necessarily allow for that. But the fun part came immediately after EA announced it would be breaking ties with FIFA. The FIFA CEO, I forget his name. He came out and immediately like kind of made an ass of himself. That's that's par for the course for FIFA. Trust me. He went and said, uh, not only will FIFA games continue to be a thing and they will continue to explore new opportunities with new developers and partners, but whatever game has the FIFA brand on it will be the best soccer game in the world. Yeah, you want to talk about RBI baseball for a second? <laughs> That's the MLB-produced baseball game. Mm-hmm. Guess why? Guess why MLB decided to force Sony to put uh, the show on the Xbox and the Switch? Yeah, so that was funny as hell. Like, I, it, it was like, I think probably hours, literally hours after EA made the made their announcement of cutting ties with FIFA, that this guy came out and said that. Which okay, if you can, I, and like, I'm trying to think of another developer that would be able to develop a soccer game on par with what EA. Did. And I'm not well, saying EA, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um. All of EA's development hours go to their soccer game because it is the biggest selling game they have. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the complaints about Anthem was that both of them were using the Frostbite engine, but most of EA's work was going towards FIFA and not Anthem, you know, because FIFA was the bigger moneymaker. But yeah, the soccer game is huge for, for EA. I mean, well, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so like I I fail to I fail to think of a of a developer that will be able to do exactly what EA does on the scale it does with the FIFA, w- w- what it was doing with the FIFA brand. There is there is one, but it's a simulation and not an action game. And I think you know which game I'm talking about. Football Manager. Yeah, yeah. Football Manager is hella fun. Uh, you don't actually get to play the games, but it is extremely deep. And if you're into soccer or association football, uh, football manager is really good. You just can't actually do an arcade thing with, with football manager. So you don't think they'll be running to Konami and, and uh, <sighs> tapping that eFootball franchise anytime soon? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, here's the thing about it. I mean, eFootball is supposed to be free to play. And if you can make it good, you know, you, you know, free, it's – you're opening up the you're taking away the, that barrier to entry. They just have to make a good game. I imagine with how stingy Konami is with doing anything these days, when it when it comes to stuff outside of pachinko parlors and and <laughs> stuff like that, I imagine if FIFA came to Konami and asked them for a, even a hundred and fifty million dollars to make a to put their the FIFA name on a Konami game, the I would. Imagine that that would be an entire room full of Konami executives just laughing for minutes on end. 
I don't think that like Konami is not going to shell out one hundred and fifty million dollars to make a game. How many uh, how many games have been? How many times have you heard uh, reports of? Well, this is supposed to be Silent Hill. This was supposed to be Silent Hill. This was supposed to be Silent Hill from Konami. Mm -hmm. All these supposed Silent Hill sequels. I'm going to give you a hint, everybody. Um, Be glad there's no Silent Hill sequels because they would have all sucked. Even Silent Hills, whatever that was supposed to be. Yeah, and we have – there's definite proof of that. I mean Silent Hill 4, Silent Hill 5 Homecoming, Silent Hill Downpour. Downpour was like the least bad of those games, but it still wasn't very good. (laughs) Here's the thing, you know, the medium got close to what Silent Hill is. A lot of people said it was actually more like that that um, that H.R. Giger game. I forgot the name of it, which also took place in two realms, you know, Hell World and the regular world. Oh, uh, something Souls, Two Souls, something like that? Something like that. Uh, it was an old game, though. It was like came out in the late 90s, I think it came out. Darkseed. It was Darkseed. Oh. Yeah. The medium was a lot more like Darkseed than it was Silent Hill. Interesting. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Scott, take the next item. Oh, God. <clears throat> Starfield and Redfall have been delayed. This is from PC Gamer. Bethesda has announced that both the spacefaring RPG Starfield and the Arcane's co-op shooter Redfall have been delayed. With a Twitter post that the, de- the developers quietly pushed both projects into 2023, uh, and considering that we haven't been haven't seen gameplay for either, it's not exactly a huge surprise. Who really thought we were getting Starfield this year anyway? The Twitter post says we've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams Arcane, Austin, Redfall, and Bethesda Game Studio Starfield have incredible ambitions for their games and want to ensure you receive the best, most polished version of them. We want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. The energy is a huge part of what inspires all of us every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share our first deep dive into the gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon. Thank you for your support. You know, I mean, I, by the way, this isn't the only game that's been delayed. There's been a lot of delays. There's been a lot, yeah. a lot of delay announcements lately. Yeah, it's like it's 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 fine if they feel they need to delay and work on it some more. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of things that have been delayed. You know, even now, you know, you got various uh, shipping shortages of of different things. So there's 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 still a lot of effect on the world from COVID. Um, you know, and you and you also hope that they're not overworking themselves and that this is a way of, of keeping that from getting too stressed out for uh, crunches. I mean, the games that have been delayed include um, uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and and Pragmata, and the Legend of Zelda sequel, uh, Breath of the Wild sequel. Right, that got delayed. Uh, PGA Tour got delayed. There's a lot of games that got delayed to 2023, and you know, it's like... That's fine. I don't care. Uh, I'd rather have a you know a, a polished game than a buggy game that's released early. I mean, a lot of people have said, well, what is Microsoft going to be revealing in 2022? Well, they have Game Pass. There's going to be a lot of free games out there. Speaking of HR Giger, I, I'm glad that Scorn hasn't been delayed. <laughs> I, I still want to see what that's like. <laughs> well, I've seen what it's like. I want to see what the gameplay, you know, how it feels when you're actually playing it. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that like I wonder about now that uh, this is happening is 
what is Xbox going to show at that showcase in next week, next month? Starfield and Redfall. Just because gonna... just because they're delayed doesn't mean you can't show gameplay from it. And I think that's what everybody really wants to see. People want to see gameplay from both Starfield and Redfall. And Red uh, Starfield has been teased the hell out of. You know, Starfield has been. You know, you keep on seeing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. But it's, you know, it's like just teasing the hell. I think you're still going to see. Uh, actual gameplay of Starfield and Redfall at the uh, Xbox and Bethesda uh, thing. Because what are you gonna? What are they also gonna say? Oh, by the way, we're officially releasing Grounded. Yay! <laughs> I just I wonder like what they're gonna does, they're gonna show gameplay. Does, they're gonna show actual gameplay. Yeah, maybe so. But does the Xbox have anything big coming out this year besides um, uh, now that these two games have been pushed back? Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about it. Um, there were games that I, I remember, not offhand. I mean, aside from Scorn, there's going to be a lot of games that are going to be on Game Pass, which I think people care about. It's very interesting. I, I, I want to see something cool at that uh, at the Bethesda event, uh, but I worry that you're right, and it's just going to be Redfall and Starfield, but we're not going to see – we're not going to be able to play them this year, which no big deal. I, I hope they take it all the time they need on those two games because I am excited for Redfall. And I know a lot of folks are excited for Starfield because that was supposed to be the one game that could possibly compete with Elden Ring as a game of the year contender. I mean, I'm willing to bet you anything they're going to they're going to make the official death loop on Xbox announcement. I mean, yeah, I, I, but I don't think they want to hang their their hats on something that's like sloppy seconds. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know about you, but for me, I think Triangle Strategy is game of the year, at least for me. <laughs> It had uh, a really good divergent path for the story. It had fun combat. Uh, you know, it was just an overall really well-made game. Yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with tri- Triangle Strategy. I was just thinking, like, as far as, like, the consensus went on a lot of folks and, like, a game that checks all the boxes and uh, just has I mean, been universally lauded, I couldn't think of anything that would possibly there's warhammer 40,000 dark a uh, dark tide which is going to be a pc xbox exclusive that will be dope that will indeed be dope um but yeah i i think that starfield is i think it starfield stands to be possibly one of the i hope it leaves i up hope to the hype. <laughs> i hope that it lives up to the hype because it stands to be one of the most interesting and fun games that you we know, see in a long time after Fallout 4, you know, it's sort of like, I'm just hoping that uh, Microsoft cracked the whip on them. Because here's the thing. I'm wondering. Here's the, If Microsoft didn't buy ZeniMax, I think they would have been releasing Starfield in November 11th, come hell or high water. I think they would have released an unfinished buggy game just to get it out on November 11th. Huh. Maybe so. I think it's Microsoft who told them, no, 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 no. If it's not ready, it's not ready. It's it's hard to really guess at what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah, but we've we've seen we've seen Bethesda at work. Uh, Fallout seventy six. Everyone, anyone? Yeah, I don't think they were ready. Uh, it it feels like they were just delaying because they didn't have anything ready and just uh, I don't know. It wasn't until the purchase that it suddenly seemed like they had something. Here's the thing. Um, there is another example of Microsoft doing this, and that's Cuphead. I remember Microsoft said, no, no, you hear, you made a good demo. Uh, take another year and make an actual game. Hmm. I will say this, though, you know, uh, um, never mind. Anyways, 
I, I, I'm willing to believe that Starfield and Redfall will be shown off with gameplay to to offset the disappointment they're not going to come out in 2022. And here's the thing. I was really surprised to hear Starfield will be released in November 11th, 2022, to my, in the first place. I mean, I believe it could come out that date, but I was surprised. Hmm. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next item. Sony reportedly, quote unquote, will not approve of any statements from PlayStation Studios on reproductive rights. And this comes from Eurogamer. Following a controversial email last week in which PlayStation boss Jim Ryan asked staff to, quote unquote, respect the differences of opinion on abortion rights. A new report claimed that Sony is currently refusing to approve any statements that its PlayStation Studios might be might want to make on the topic of reproductive rights in response to the U.S. US Supreme Court's proposal to reverse the ruling of Roe v. Wade. With Insomniac head Ted Price going as so far as to tell staff he believed there would be, quote-unquote, material repercussions if it went against Sony's wishes. According to a new report by the Washington Post, Spider-Man and Ratchet & Clank developer Insomniac, which was acquired by Sony in 2020, although, you know, here's the thing about Insomniac, I always felt like they were a Sony, Sony company anyway. Aside from uh, the one Xbox game they made, uh, Sunset Overdrive, was it? Yeah, Insomniac made Sunset Overdrive, right? Or was that someone else? I think that um, was. It was one of their the two Sony developers that made Sunset Overdrive. Either Insomniac or the other one. Anyways, uh, they had made a donation to donate fifty thousand dollars to the U.S. Reproductive Rights Assistance Project, which is RAP following the U.S. Supreme Court's recent proposal to reverse Roe v. Wade. Uh, donation Sony agreed to match, along with any additional donations from staff as part of the company's PlayStation Cares program. However, um, according to the Washington Post, Sony won't authorize any public statement Insomniac might want to make about reproductive rights or its donation, and the staff has been expressly forbidden from mentioning either Sony or Insomniac in any retweet that should the rap choose to make an announcement about the donation. Uh, Sony Interact Interactive Entertainment will not approve any statements uh, from the any student on the topic of reproductive rights. Uh, so Insomniac had Ted Price told studio employees in an email dated uh, May 13th. Uh, the any was their stress, not mine. Uh, we fought hard for this and we did not win. Ryan drew consider uh, Ryan drew considerable ire last week when, after referencing the U.S. Supreme Court proposal to overturn Roe versus Wade in an all staff email, employees were told we owe it to each other and play and to PlayStation's millions of users to respect the differences of opinion among everyone in our internal and external communities. Ryan then reportedly went on to write at length about his cat's birthdays, including some in, uh, leading some employees to accuse the PlayStation boss of being disrespectful and trivializing the issue of reproductive rights as seen by Bloomberg. In update today, um, this Destiny 2 studio, Bun- uh, I'm sorry, Destiny 2 studio Bungie recently expressed support for Roe vs. Wade despite Sony's bumbling reluctance to enter the abortion debate. We are and will be Bungie, senior community manager DMG04 tweeted. There will never be a muzzle big enough to stop us from standing up from what's right. You know, here's a question. Hey, Sony, if um, the Supreme Court wanted to reverse civil rights, would you say you wanted to respect the rights of racists and, and, and confederacy? Just wondering. It's so gross. Paul Ryan, uh, Jim Ryan has always been a schmuck, but this is fucking. <sighs> that guy sucks. Ryan sucks so very much, and uh, <laughs> and he really just put his whole ass on display this week. Like you know, I I'm I love PlayStation. I love playing PlayStation. I love playing games on PlayStation, and I love their hardware. But this stuff is fucking horrid. And Jim Ryan is an asshole for 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 those decisions. 
Oh, okay. So <laughs> now we have we have, I, I dare do this. Who do you think is of a bigger asshole, Jim Ryan or uh, you know who? Bobby, Bobby Kotick, and it's not even close. <laughs> like Kotick makes being an asshole look like I don't know a lifelong hobby. Like he's if Beethoven if Beethoven spent his genius and his life being an asshole instead of an amazing piano player, he might amount to like half of what Kotick accomplishes at the sport. Scott? Mm-hmm. No, it's your turn to speak. You want to talk about Alan Wake now? <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't want to talk about this, do you? <laughs> oh, the, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a corporate thing and, Anytime they make a, a statement, any of these corporations, it's always coming off as, or people are saying it's coming off as pandering. And it just, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I guess I'm indifferent because I, I don't think it really matters what the official studios do or say. Uh, cause I just, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of neutral about it I, I, as far as the, corporations on their stances i'm of two minds on that if people are going to say that you're pandering whether you do or pandering whether you don't then you should probably just do the right thing and say fuck mm-hmm. it to those who would uh, who are on the wrong side of history well that's just Dude. it that, that's the key thing though being on the wrong side of history you know hey jim just say whatever you want we'll remember and we'll remember mm-hmm. after you die and you'll be that'll be an asterisk on you you, you very few people become famous, and people who do become famous often are just asterisks that people say, oh, by the way, this guy said this. Mm-hmm. I guess it's uh, a little concerning that they, they're they making a it, – it's more it, – this feels a little bit worse than, uh, like, no comment. This feels a little bit more like don't say anything, and that just uh, – that's definitely concerning. That's the part that pisses me off even more is that they would put a that they would go as far as to put a gag order on their studios. Right, gag order. It's it's one thing for PlayStation itself to to be like we can't say anything on it, but to but to then also like put out an order to the studios under its umbrella that you're not also that you're also not allowed to say anything about this is bullshit. Like and for like for what Insomniac said, it sounded an awful lot like like that the the lead at insomniac made it sound like going against that order could have repercussions that could hurt the studio and that sucks that sucks for that studio to have to make a decision as to whether or not it wants to do the right thing and be penalized by its parent company or stay quiet because it do, because it can't afford the risk of uh, of going against what its parent company says and then bungie just said fuck you we're going to say whatever the fuck we want you paid money right. for us. <laughs> you didn't pay money. You didn't pay. A, a, you didn't overpay for us uh, to for us to shut up and and do nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a big bummer. And yeah. bad on you, Sony. Bad on you, PlayStation. Fuck you, Jim Ryan. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about more uplifting news. Go ahead, DJ. Alan Wake developer Remedy pivot. Or sorry, Alan Wake developer Remedy provides update on five projects in pipeline from Eurogamer. Alan Wake and Control developer Remedy Entertainment has laid out its upcoming slate of projects, and there's a lot on the cards. Of course, there's the upcoming long-awaited Alan Wake 2. 
Alan Wake is in full production stage, Remedy wrote in its latest financial results. A lot of work remains, but the game is starting to take a more complete form in many areas. As communicated earlier, Alan Wake will be released in 2023. Alan Wake 2, because there is a remake of Alan Wake coming. Mm-hmm. Next up is codename Vanguard, Remedy's free-to-play cooperative PvE shooter that's been in development for a while. Codename Condor, a multiplayer spinoff from Control, continues in the proof-of-stage concept, Remedy said. This was, pre- this was previously said to be a set in Control's oldest house, featuring Bureau team members. Codename Heron is a, a bigger Control game. Or, sorry, Codename Heron, Heron, a bigger Control game, is in the concept stage and, proto- and its prototyping continues. Like Codename Condor, Heron was announced back in June 2021 as part of, an, of a publishing agreement with 505 Games. This project is separate from Alan Wake 2, even if the story of both franchises are intertwined. Finally, if that wasn't enough, Remedy recently announced its partnership with Rockstar to to remake Max Payne and Max Payne 2. Alan Wake seems to be the next of these projects due to be released in 2023, though Remedy notes it expects to have major game launches, plural, between 2023 and 2025. Yeah, that was the big stumbling block for Max Payne and Max Payne 2 is that they had to Rockstar owned those games, so they had to, you know, they had to make a lot of negotiating in order for them to even try and remake them. I am very excited to see the the Max Payne games remade. I love Max Payne three, and I love I, I love all three of them, but Max Payne three was such a big step up from the first two games in a lot of ways. Uh, they did a really good job with the with the cover and and dual wielding and bullet time and all of that stuff. They refined it so well, and movement was just janky in Max Payne one and two. Um, and I mean you know, it was a it was kind of a limitation of the times, but it's going to be really interesting to see what Max Payne and Max Payne two can be with like less stiff models, less stiff movement, and more. And more cinematic John Woo style gunplay. I was about to say one of the most underrated games, even to this day, is Stranglehold. And I loved Stranglehold a lot better than Max Payne because uh, it was, but for one thing, it was "quote unquote" directed by John Woo, and it knew that it had to go over the top, <laughs> and it did go over the top. When you went into a rage mode, it's like yet yeah, if you happen to be uh, if you happen to be wielding a rocket launcher, you just shoot rockets. At one after the other, keep on just shooting rockets all over the place and just, and just a lot of mass destruction. If you haven't played Stranglehold, and it is backwards compatible, by the way, uh, you should try it out. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, like, I've watched playthroughs of that game, and it does look fantastic. I love the um, ending, just the the the, the grin on, um, John, uh, not John, uh, his favorite actor. God, I forgot his name all, all of a sudden. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the play, uh, God, I have to look up this game too. <laughs> da, 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 stranglehold. That's not helping. <laughs> Anyways, um, oh boy. Where's the, I went to Wikipedia just so I could get through. Here we are. It was Midway. It was a Midway game. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Uh, Chow Yun Fat was starring in it. Quote unquote. They, uh, screen capped him. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he replayed his character as tequila in that game. Nice. From Hardboiled. So Stranglehold is actually a sequel to Hardboiled. Nice. Yeah, like I, I've known about that game. I've never had a chance to play it personally, but I have watched playthroughs. I've watched uh, a lot on it. It's 
a very interesting game. The game is very tongue-in-cheek. It doesn't take itself seriously at all, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and like Max Payne and Max Payne 2 have a really great story, and that's kind of what helps get get. That's what got me through those games. Uh, I don't know. It, it was it was an edge lord game, and I mean, one of the things is that also the main character was screen cap from the devel- uh, lead developer's face, and everybody knew he looked like he was trying not to fart. <laughs> yeah, Sam Lake. Um, he had that constipated think- look on his the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those things that's just really kind of hilarious about it. Here's the I question. Always, are they going to keep that face or are they going to improve upon it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I bet there's one camp who wants it to have a nicer face and the other camp wants it to have the most constipated face possible to, that's, to maintain that's the, the kind of thing you put in as like an Easter egg where like you beat the game and you unlock Sam like head mode. Oh, no, no. Actually, you know, you do what you do with Halo and other games. You know, you have a button which you can switch between the old, you know, the old graphics and the new graphics. Just (laughs) flip between them. Yeah. Here's the thing about the first Max Payne and one of the reasons why I hated it was you can tell it was rushed. The first level was an intricately made um, subway level, right? And the rest of the game was the same level over and over and over again. D- dilapidated building, dilapidated building, dilapidated building, dilapidated building. Mm-hmm. It was all the same, and you could tell that they ran out of time. Like they had, they took all this time on the first level, and then everything else was just rush job. Yeah, but that's what makes Max Payne two feel so much more. I, I like like. It had a lot more variety. Like the 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 funhouse the funhouse level in Max Payne Two is maybe one of my favorite in that series. But um, and that and you have to you have to escort freaking this Italian this Italian crime lord who has been stuffed into a baseball bat boy mascot outfit because he has a bomb collar around his neck and if he gets shot he'll explode. Um. There's so much so, – and then there's, like, the trippiness of, like, there's these TVs that are going off around you that have weird different shows on them. And if you stick around them long enough, you can, like, actually piece together narratives from them. Max Payne 1, I think you're right, is kind of choppy. Max Payne 2 is better. And then Max Payne 3 is a masterpiece, in my opinion. I liked Max Payne 3. Um well, I will say this. One of the things that I really liked about it was that whatever gun you were, you were holding in the game, you know, during the gameplay, when you went to the cutscene, you would always be holding that gun and you would always use that. You know, you'd always swing around that gun as if it was that gun. It's not, you know, there's a lot of games that sort of do that. You know, sometimes here's the thing with Halo. Sometimes you'll be holding the gun that you were holding and then sometimes it'll just go to a regular DMR or a or a pistol, even though you weren't holding that during the cutscene. It's always it's always the in Max Payne three they made sure that it was always the gun that you were actually using that you were holding in your hands during the cutscenes and I know that sounds like like nitpicking but it really helps immersion when you don't switch the gun in the game in in the cutscene yeah agreed like there's there's so many things that Max Payne three got right when it came to just like everything it did and everything that the first two games established. Um, it's maybe one of my favorite things of all time, as far as gaming goes, from like every angle. But 
I am interested to see what Remedy does with second chances at the at the first two, because like you said, there's a lot of room for improvement. I'm also intrigued about Codename Vanguard. I know it's probably going to be a loot box game, but still, you know, I, I like co-op PvE shooters. Agreed. I, uh, with, with everything they did with, uh, oh, wait, that wasn't the control one. I, I don't know much about Vanguard. Is it like, it's, so it's set in a, like its own universe, right? It's an original IP? I don't know. They, they hadn't said nothing about it except for the fact it's a PvE shooter. Hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to see that then. Um, uh, a multiplayer spinoff of Control sounds very interesting, given all the powers and, and different things that you can do in that game. Here's a little secret. I haven't played Control yet. I haven't played Quantum Break yet either, and I know those two games are actually see- spiritual sequels to each other that take place in the same universe, too. Mm-hmm. It's wacky. I, Alan Wake 2 is probably my least... Like, I, I'm the least hyped for that one out of any of these, but like I know a lot of people are really, really interested in, in seeing that game happen. I think that Alan looks like uh, <laughs> Alan kind of looks like Jake Gyllenhaal from uh, <laughs> Nightcrawler and uh, and the and the shots they've shown of him so far. Anyways, uh, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net along with the industry news and our gaming history articles. If you enjoy feedback, so leave us comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, hit us up on facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. If you're active on iTunes, leave us iTunes comments. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Shugs. You can find me at Charter Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.